On today's show, I'm here with Kevin Gray in the American Airlines Center after the Dallas Mavericks fall to the Phoenix Suns, a fourth quarter collapse. I don't know if I can put it in any other terms besides that. We'll break it all down and the very fixable things the Mavericks can fix in this game going forward. We'll talk about all that on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks. <laughs> I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks podcast. don't believe you shouldn't be here but welcome you are locked on to the dallas mavericks my name is nick angstead media member and nba channel manager for locked on podcast network thanks for making locked on maps your first listen every single day we are free and available on all platforms including youtube uh joining me friend of the pod multiple time guest kevin gray 1053 the fan kevin what you got for me uh, the Suns got the Mavs number is what I got because it's once four. again the number is four in the fourth quarter. Is it the, this the fourth quarter because the Suns got the Mavs again when it counted most and uh, yeah Chris Paul was his uh, future Hall of Fame self in the fourth quarter. He really was, and uh, there's so many wa- there's so many avenues we could go down in this fourth quarter, and a lot of them can sound like excuses. You come into this game, Suns had two days off. The Mavericks are on a second night of a back-to-back. The Mavs are on this winning streak. You know they've been putting out you know a lot. You have Kristaps Porzingis with a minutes restriction of 30 minutes. He went a little bit over that tonight with 32. Luka Doncic was on the bench in the fourth quarter, like completely wrapped up his head and neck and you know and shoulder and all that kind of stuff. So you could put a little bit on that like you could start to say all these things but really the Mavericks lost this game with 17 turnovers and 31 points off of those turnovers for the Suns right like that was the big thing in this game that stood out to me just the sloppy play maybe it's they're tired maybe mentally fatigued uh, but just sloppy stuff uh, Jalen uh, Brunson after the game talked about his turnovers he had six we're not used to seeing Jalen Brunson turn the ball over and be that sloppy with it. Yeah, this team and the Mavericks, what I think it was two points in the final three minutes and ten seconds, sloppy with the basketball, didn't value the basketball late in the fourth quarter. And give the Suns credit for the pressure defensively that they put on the Mavs. Yeah. You know, they put a lid on the basket, or maybe the Mavericks did that to themselves. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you give the Suns a lot of credit they know how to handle these championship type of moments, and they did so again in the clutch, the way that they've been all season long, really, and uh, they proved it once again inside the AAC tonight. We should note, no DeAndre Ayton for the Suns, too, so they were, they were a little bit down, but Bismack Biampo, I thought, played some pretty good basketball at times in this game. Um, so the Suns weren't 100%. They also didn't have Jalen Smith, their backup center. They had JaVale McGee starting at center for them. Um, but yeah, the Mavericks were pretty were pretty healthy besides the stuff with with Chris Ops and his minutes restriction and Luca, the stuff that he was dealing with. And so, but the Mavericks gave the Suns team their best shot for four for three quarters. I thought yeah. maybe four and a half, right? Like maybe four and a half quarters. This Mavericks team gave them a really good shot. And I haven't seen a lot of the talk online or the the you know NBA you know inside the NBA type guys, but I don't think that anybody's going to say this Mavericks team just like got blown out or got destroyed or isn't in the same class as a team like this Suns team, right? Like if the Mavs play a little bit better, I mean, they're right there with them. Chris Osborne said it afterwards. He talked to, he said a lot of weird things after this game. He said like, you know, there's something I actually kind of want to read the quote. He said something about, you know, it's like a swag thing. If you build confidence and you build more and more, you, get, you build more sauce. You got the is, sauce. Is That's he right. Said. He said he put swag and sauce <laughs> in the same quote. Um, but the Mavericks are building that, right? They, they're feeling like they deserve to be in these spots with the, with a team like the Suns. And this Suns team has just done that over the last 
two years or so after the bubble, they had their whole, you know, time of building up that confidence, that swag, that sauce, whatever you want to put <laughs> right. on it. And I think this Mavericks team is doing that in this stretch here. Yeah, and I think when you look at a game like this, this is one of those measuring stick type of games where, you know, the Mavericks coming in had won 10 out of 11 games. They were feeling really good defensively about what they were doing. And you wanted to see, even in the tough circumstances of coming into the game, you know, on a back-to-back, how would they handle, you know, pressure situations? How would they handle, you know, championship-type moments against a team that has been experienced, you know, in, in, in having those? So I think for the Mavericks, I think they acquitted themselves well in this game. Mm-hmm. While you wanted to see them cut down on the turnovers, that really – took them out of certain situations to be able to really, you know, sustain momentum. I thought for the most part, you know, they played well. You like to see them shoot the ball better from the three-point line, obviously. Uh, Tim Hardaway wasn't necessarily great. You know, Max Kleba went over his first, what, five three-pointers in this <laughs> in game. In the first quarter. In the first, first like, quarter. minutes. Yeah, so there were some things they could definitely clean up, but at the same time, I thought they played well for the most part in this game. Yeah, it was those turnovers, really, that sparked the the offense for the Suns, I thought. Yeah. Because early in this game, and I think even the first three quarters, I'm just going to keep bringing it back to that, the first three quarters it felt like this Mavericks defense was really holding the Suns down. They, they really just couldn't get a lot done except for Chris Paul and Devin Booker isolations or getting, you know, Kristaps Porzingis on a switch or getting Dwight on a switch or getting somebody else on a switch and then hit pulling up a jumper over them. They really couldn't get a lot done. They shot 8 of 36 from 3 in this game, the Suns did. That's 22%. That's bad. The the Mavs shot 29.7% in this game, 11 of 37 from three, and they were the better three-point shooting team. That that doesn't (laughs) usually happen very often. Oh, yeah. uh, The the Suns could not hit threes, and their offense just – they couldn't do a lot. And I I think you credit the Mavericks' defense for that a little bit. I thought they really held their own in this game, were able to – you know, force a lot of those tough shots, and they have they had to rely on Booker just doing Booker things and getting his isolation shot that he can get up, he can get off against anybody. I'm I'm sitting here watching Booker hit some of these shots, and I just go, man, that shot will never die in the NBA, right? Like those shots that he <laughs> yeah. those shots that he can pull off where you get to a spot, you pull up, you lean back a little bit. It's not like the full Dirk, but. Those shots, just you just imagine like Michael Jordan making those shots, and yeah. then like George Gervin making those. Like you just go back in history, like how many players have made shots just like that? Uh, it's a pretty timeless game that, that Booker has, but that was the only thing that they could really rely on in the first three quarters. I felt like, yeah, this game was a game of runs, and there were plenty of runs on both sides to where you know at one point you know the Mavericks used a 14-0 run in the second quarter to take a 10-point lead at one point in the mm-hmm. second quarter. You know, the Suns used a 12-2 run to take a lead, you know, in the third quarter. Then the Mavericks closed the third quarter on an 11-2 run. Like, it was a game of yeah. runs to where, you know, these teams and spurts were playing good basketball. But at the same time, the final run that really ended things, you know, was the 10-2 run that the Suns went on. You know, Luka Doncic got a big bucket to tie it at 99 Missed the free throw that would have given him a one-point lead. And from the 3-10 mark to the end of the game, you know, the Mavericks can only muster up two points. Meanwhile, the Suns down the stretch once again were able to be better in clutch time, and Chris Paul was able to really, you know, seal things. But I thought the ebbs and flows and the back and forths in this game, you know, were pretty interesting given the dynamics of defensively how the Mavericks wanted to play, how the Suns wanted to play, put pressure, you know, on Doncic, who, you know, only had nine points. You know, in the second half, he ended yeah. the you know second quarter on a flurry with the you know the bucket inside, and then he got Whoa, the steal, yeah. and then we'll got the three pointer. You know, there was a lot to love, but uh, you know the Suns were the better team down the stretch. Yeah, you go to that fourth quarter, 
And there are some moments in there that I did. It was really head scratching to me. The Mavericks going into the, the going into the fourth quarter had a uh, pretty good advantage. It was 82-74, so an eight point lead. The Mavericks, like you said, finished the third quarter on an 11-2 run. So the Mavericks go into the fourth quarter with momentum. Uh, Porzingis comes back in. We'll talk about Porzingis' minutes and all that. Um, but the, the Suns started to creep in. They started to play their defense. They started to you know hit some shots here and there. And then at seven minutes and 25 seconds, I thought this was a turning point of the of the game. Seven minutes and 25 seconds left to go in the fourth quarter. Kid puts in Luca, Porzingis, Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr., and then also Maxi. The question I've been asking this whole stretch where the Mavericks have been playing well is, can the Mavericks play this same level of defense if they play any any three of Luca, KP, Brunson, and Tim Hardaway Jr.? And I I kept saying many times. They cannot play this well, like defense this well, if they play all four of them. And Jason Kidd went and played all four of them in a close game that was a real defensive game up until that point, really. Uh-huh. Uh, and I thought that was a big turning point. I thought that was a mistake on Kidd's part. From all the good things that he's done recently, I thought that was a mistake. And maybe at that point, you know, Jason Kidd is looking for some shooting from Tim Hardaway. He was. And the Mavericks continue to struggle from three, and you thought maybe a couple of big buckets from him could really stretch out a lead or really put things in a bind, you know, for Phoenix, and it just simply didn't work out. So it looked like he was trading the offense for the defense in the substitution with Hardaway. It just didn't work out based on the way I think Jason Kidd was wanting to get some of that offensive, you know, punch from, from, from Hardaway and didn't work out in that way. And they didn't get the offense from him. They didn't get the offense from Porzingis late in the game. And we'll right. talk about that because I thought I thought everything I said about Christoph Porzingis and his minutes restriction after last game applied to this game as well with his uh, rhythm, his shooting, and all that kind of stuff. We'll talk about all that. We'll get into Christoph Porzingis and his minutes coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about BetOnline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to put down some money on sports. You can no longer put some money down on your Cowboys. Hey, hey, now, hey. I'm sorry. We've been been talking about the Cowboys. but Cowboys got nothing to do with this. You can put down money on all kinds (laughs) of other things uh, right now. You can put money on the football games this weekend. they got all kinds of odds and specials that you can do. You can put it on on NBA games this weekend. Let's see what they got on some of these football games. We've been checking some of these uh, American football games. Bengals, three-and-a-half-point underdog. Packers now a five and a half point favorite against the 49ers. It was six points earlier in the week. So if you want, you're feeling good about the Packers, maybe you put some money down on that. Aaron Rodgers give them a touchdown lead, then all of a sudden you're winning some money on that. Use the promo code Locked On. You'll get a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposits. You put down 100 bucks, they will give you 50 bucks. Put down 50 bucks, they'll give you 25 bucks. You guys know how 50 percent works, but Bet Online, that's how it works for it. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. All right, Kevin Gray, we're continuing on this game. The Dallas Mavericks lose the Phoenix Suns, but they held their own. And this was, a, I thought, an overall good game until the very end. It was looking to be an incredible game for the Mavericks. If they could have found a way to close this out, it would have been an, an incredible play, I thought, for, for the Mavericks. Uh, we've been talking about the fourth quarter. We've been talking about how all the reasons and things why the Mavericks lost this game. We broke that all down in the first segment. Now, Christoph Porzingis, his minutes, he's obviously he's on a minutes restriction. Jason Kidd did say that. It was, it was confirmed, and I, I saw that quote from Jason Kidd. They wanted him around, around 30 minutes. And so the first two games back, he played 27. The next, you know, the next game he played 33. This game he played 32 minutes. So they're starting to creep it back up a little bit. But he was really held by that minutes restriction because he played the he plays the first quarter. He plays his normal amount of minutes in the first half, and then he just can't come back in that fourth quarter. 
because he's held back by that minutes restriction. And I think it's holding him back in more ways than one because he's such a rhythm player. This is what I said yesterday. I'm gonna just I'm just gonna do it again. He is such a rhythm player mm-hmm. that in that second quarter you saw him start to get some some rhythm and some momentum with Luca. The, the second quarter, Luca came out and said, "I am going to get Kristaps Porzingis the ball. We are going to give him the ball against the Cam Johnsons, the you know um, Mikhail Bridges's, the you know the the Devin Booker's, like the Chris Pauls, the guys that are smaller than him. We're going to give him the ball in those spots, and he's going to get some touches." And it didn't work out early in the second quarter when he was given in the ball and force-feeding him the ball, but it paid off tremendously at the end of the second quarter, I thought, where KP had a really good block. He was more engaged. He hit a three. He had a dunk in the lane off of a really nice Luka pass. And I think that Porzingis has to have those moments throughout a game, and we're not seeing him in the second half because he can't play the same amount of minutes in the same type of minutes that he's played in the second half. Yeah, and I think that's one thing when you look at how the Mavericks will have to continue to incorporate him you know, coming off of the COVID and the minutes restrictions, how quickly can they get him back to being able to play in those moments where you're going to need him most so that he can have and develop the kind of rhythm as far as, you know, what they're looking for. Um, And for Porzingis, I'm sure it frustrates him that he can't develop the kind of rhythm that he's accustomed to having. You know, he's talked about it in the past that he's a guy that has to be able to feel the basketball, be able to get engaged in games early, and for that to carry throughout games for him. So as this continues to go forward for him, I'm sure Jason Kidd will look at his situation and say, okay, now we can turn Porzingis loose. And you want to see that happen, you know, more and more as far as his, uh, you know, as his game is concerned. Yeah, this has to be a Casey Smith decision, right? Yeah. Like this has to be a decision that's kind of outside of Jason Kidd's hands. He can't really make it on it because they need KP to be healthy. Whether sure. Whether they want to go far in the playoffs or they're thinking about a trade for him, like either either direction, which that's the case for all players, but they, they need him to stay healthy for either way or else this team is kind of screwed, right? <laughs> this, yeah. This season at least. This team is – and maybe even into the future, this this season would be uh, pretty much screwed there. So – but Chris Porzingis, he, he doesn't get the type of, of run that he needs through the second half to get that momentum, get, get that rhythm going. And in the fourth quarter, I thought several times, I, I thought at least two specific times I can remember in my head, he was down low against Chris Paul or he was down low against somebody else and didn't go for the shot, didn't, didn't try for a bucket, didn't take the open three, didn't turn around and try to hit a, try and hit a shot. He did try and hit a shot later and he kind of airballed it I mean he was just not right late in the game and the Mavericks needed his offense because they weren't getting it from Tim Hardaway Jr. Luca was hobbled and he wasn't able to do the same things he did in the first half yeah and uh and Brunson just he he was able to do a couple things but he struggles against uh teams with length and he yeah had, he had a couple of really good possessions and started the fourth game, quarter well yeah but he just can't dominate against teams like this he can he can make some stuff happen but mm-hmm. he's just not gonna be able to take it over a game like this uh with with a bridges a crowd or a you know guys like that uh, out there now, he did take Crowder to the post, and that was that was yeah, that was interesting and fun to watch. Yeah, but the Mavs needed Porzingis in this game, especially with Aiton out, and they just didn't get it for a number of reasons. And that's the part where you know folks will look at Porzingis and say, "This is the kind of game that you need Porzingis to be." Right. You know, his unicorn type self, especially offensively. You know, where Luka Doncic struggled in the second half. You know, dealing with a little bit of injury. Where was the offense going to come from? Guys weren't hitting shots, but you knew you could probably try to get something out of Porzingis, but he wasn't able really to deliver in the way that you know you would like him to. So. Again, I think for this game, there was a lot of things that they can learn and take with them. One being, got to get Porzingis now back into the kind of rhythm that he needs to be in so that when you come into late game situations, he can be what he is offensively when he's at his best. 
Yeah, it's, it's all about the minutes and the rhythm. KP has talked about that so many times, and I'm, I'm just going to keep repeating it because KP has repeated it, that he's got to get his minutes in a certain stretch. If you remember last season, this is a big storyline, is that Rick Carlisle changed Luka Doncic's you know, substitution pattern and yeah. changed his minutes to give KP the type of minutes that he needs to get that type of rhythm, right? He, he literally moved heaven and earth to give KP the, the, the scheduled amount of minutes and time <laughs> of minutes that he needs them to be. And yeah. if he's not right now, it's just affecting the Mavericks in so many ways. Um, and that, this is why this is when we're, see, we're seeing this, you know, heliocentric offense just around Luka. It falters because – if, if Luca can't be Superman, right, if he gets to the end of the Scrubs theme song and says, I'm no Superman, <laughs> that he just he can't do it. And so somebody else has to step up, and you're like, okay, Brunson, now you do it. Your turn. And Brunson's like, uh, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to do some stuff in the third quarter and make it happen. But, um, yeah, it, that, that I think is what, what really did him in on offense. Now, defensively, that's a different story. That, that came down to, to turnovers and, and things like that. Porzingis did have some – he had some really good moments in this game too. Yeah. Let's, let's let's go into that a little bit because I think it wasn't just negatives on Porzingis. The second half was I thought, but the first half in that second quarter I thought was some really good moments from from KP. KP had a couple of really good um, threes. He had a couple of really good post ups. He had um, just some really good moments where he was uh, was was taking over the game. He had some good blocks. He defended the rim well at times in this game. I don't know if they, they got a ton of stuff off at the rim at all in this game. I can't remember a lot of the, the Suns getting some stuff off at the rim. It was a lot of mid-range shots. But Kristaps was good in the first half, was uh, a little absent in the second. Yeah, he was good in spurts in, in this game, especially like you mentioned in the first half, you know, being able to get out you know, on the break, being able to you know, affect the game as far as the paint was concerned. You want to see that for the full four quarters now and to be able to do that to where it gives this team confidence that, you know, on both ends of the floor, you'll get the full unicorn Porzingis experience to where, you know, Luka Doncic comes off a night where he goes for 41-14-7 against Toronto. You need somebody to step up in the game in a back-to-back to be able to shoulder a lot of that load. This is a perfect game for Porzingis to be able to do that. Tim Hardaway is not excused from that either. You know, they combined for 75 of the 102 that they had against Toronto. They needed a similar type performance from those three tonight, especially knowing the kind of star power that Phoenix was bringing in. And unfortunately for Porzingis and Hardaway, they weren't able to bring that same level, you know, of scoring punch. And then Porzingis defensively needed to be able to combat what the Suns were bringing. Do you think Luka allowed somebody else to take over? Would he allow somebody else did, to take did over? He, did he in this game? Because I think sometimes we, we run into that too, where it's like Brunson was running the was running point in this game a little bit, and Luca was was playing off ball, which allowed him to do a lot of stuff. The late in the fourth quarter, kid tried that thing where Brunson and Luca were both off the ball and in the front court, and Dorian and yeah, and, and Max, somebody was inbounded him the ball in the back court, and so like they tried all kind. I think they tried some different things to get people going, but. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it was feasible for some of these guys. Whether it was Luca allowing allowing them to take over, or it was just can't because of the, their skill set. But um, yeah, I found that interesting. Which is why we talked about the Mavs need a secondary creator, and if Brunson can step into this role, you know we expect a, a whole lot out of Brunson now. But I'm not sure he can he can get it done against a team like this. Yeah, because that you know brings up the point where where does the offense come from right. when Luca you know is struggling or is a little bit tired? Where does the offense come from? 
And for a while, it's been Jalen Brunson and his ability. You know, we've seen him throughout the year be able to close at times in the fourth quarter. And we thought going, you know, starting early in the fourth quarter that he was going to do some of the same, uh, wasn't able to sustain it. So, yeah, I think Luka at times will need that other person to be like, hey, look, first six, seven minutes of the fourth quarter, you guys got to handle this because I got to save myself, especially on a back-to-back coming off the monster performance that he had to be able to have something left in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, and he didn't have really anything left in this game. Yeah, with Luka, I think it comes down to that injury. What does that injury mean for him? He, he, he talked about it after the game, talked about exactly what he's going through, and uh, compared it to another injury he's had in his career. So we'll talk about that and break it all down coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Built Bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're absolutely delicious. I eat one all the time. The Coconut Brownie Chunk is the best bar it's, it's one of the best candy bars I've ever had, to be honest with you guys. The puffs are also good as well. You can check that out. Go to built.com, use the promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. You'll get. <laughs> use the promo code locked15. You get 15% off at built.com. Easy for you to say, huh? Don't use the locked on promo code. Use locked15. That's the right <laughs> promo code. Uh, you can check out the Churro Puff Bar. That one is absolutely delicious. Uh, 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only. Uh, six grams of sugar in that bar. They're absolutely great. I've heard the caramel macchiato is good as well, so if you want to check out that bar. These bars are great on the go if you have to go places, if you need a uh, quick, you know, tide you over between meals. This is incredible. Built.com, again, promo code LOCKED15. All right, Kevin, uh, Luka Doncic had his shoulder and neck wrapped up during the game, and afterwards he talked about it and said that it was the same sort of neck situation, the same kind of neck injury he had in last year's playoffs. If you remember, Luka had an injury to his, you know, his head and neck kind of shoulder area during last playoffs where it actually made it hard for him to turn his head from side to side. He actually struggled with that. He said it was the same kind of thing except for a little bit worse this time. Um, He said in the playoffs last year, he was able to get over it in a couple of days. He said he should be fine in a couple of days now. But, um, but yeah, how concerning, how concerned are you about this and how much do you think it really held him back in this game? I'm a little concerned because, you know, (laughs) we were talking about coming into this game, you know, how healthy the Mavericks were, you know, Sterling Brown didn't play in this game, but everybody else was healthy and ready to go. And we had been waiting on this team to finally get fully healthy and what we've seen over the last 10, 12 games is a team that what they're capable of, you know, when they have the chance to play together and play together with consistent minutes. So what my concern is, is that, you know, he would be out for any length of time that would disrupt the rhythm that they've been able to gain over the last, you know, few weeks as far as their play on the course concern. And then, you know, what that means for the rest of the guys and trying to figure out what they'll need to do until he, you know, he gets back. But yeah, it just feels like, you know, and I love Doncic as a player. Sometimes it always feels like it's it's something, you know, with him, whether it be, you know, an ankle or a knee or, in this case, you know, wow. a neck. He it's falls just, down and holds something every single game. Yeah. We, we become accustomed to that, and you've become accustomed to that listening. Uh-huh. Uh, when Luka goes down, the national broadcasters always go, oh, no, Luka, <laughs> he's hurt. And then we all just go, okay, yeah, we get it. He's yeah. going to be up in a couple minutes, and he'll be fine. It's the same with LeBron. Like, guys like that just do uh-huh. stuff. I mean, they just do stuff like that. Uh, but the, the neck and shoulder area is always tricky because, you know, one day it can feel great. The next day, it could feel terrible. So hopefully for him, they'll have a few, day, a couple days off, you know, until they play again on Sunday to where hopefully he'll be able to feel, you know, the way that he needs to to play against, you know, John Morant and those boys from, uh, from Memphis. 
Yeah, that'll be a big game. And then also the Warriors coming up as well. Those are the next two games. Mav have, Mavs have a couple of days off between those games too, which is much needed, and they will be uh, that'll be good for them. But Luka I thought was really held back in the fourth quarter. If he would have been healthy, I think this is a, maybe a different game because he was – you were talking about the Suns not having anything going on offense. The Mavericks, the thing that was going on offense for them was Luka, right? We uh, we had the moment where Luka got the steal in the three, and that was one of the only jump shots it felt like he made, he made all game at the end of the <laughs> half. He was really able to get into the paint and bully some of these guys, bully Jay Crowder, bully Mikhail Bridges, bully you know Devin Booker. And so when your head and neck hurts like that, you're not going into the paint slamming into guys and trying to pull up for jumpers so I thought that really held him back uh it could have been the difference in this game but the fourth quarter there's a lot more problems than that yeah and that's where you know things really took a turn as far as you know especially in the late you know game situations they couldn't really buy a bucket you know they really able they were struggling offensively and you just could not find where the offense was going to come from and for Doncic you know coming off the performance that he did he needed someone to help him you know, in the fourth quarter, and, nothing, and no one, you know, especially late, was able to do as you know. You mentioned he got the bucket to tie it at ninety nine. Yeah. And next thing you know, they can't score in the final three minutes, and no one really stepped up, you know, to try and provide the kind of offense that they needed. And that was the disappointing part about, the, especially the last three minutes of the fourth quarter. It just got. If you're watching on YouTube, it just got dark in here. They just turned off all the screens. Yeah. Just yep. the overhead lights. They're taking the court off the floor. They're. I guess they're going to put the ice down. It's about to get frigid in here. It's about to get cold in here. Yep. Um, so we mentioned Luca, Jason Kidd's use of Tim Hardaway Jr. in the in the fourth quarter. I thought. Oh boy, was interesting. And they use him sometimes as if he's a defensive positive, and I don't get it. Do we need to have a conversation about Tim Hardaway Jr. in this team? Go. I mean, go go for it. Because, because I I love Tim Hardaway. You know the intensity that he brings the passion that he brings to the game. I I just have not been able to put my finger on what his struggle has been so far, you know, this season, whether it be from three or obviously we know he's never been great defensively, but it seems like it's been much more magnified so far in the first half, you know, of the year to where there's been a lot of questions about, you know, what, what going into the second half, can he turn it around and we, you know, he had a great game against you know Toronto. But what's really, you know, going on with Tim Hardaway? Is it a confidence issue? I'm not sure what to really put my finger on it when it comes to THJ these days. I mean, he's taking the same amount of threes he did last year, and he's he's missing, you know, one half a three more a game he did last year. That's kind of really the difference, at least in his numbers. But it feels like so much more. It feels like it feels worse, right? There, the the games where he is incredible, the games where we're like, oh, was his dad in in the arena? Like, <laughs> was Tim Hardaway senior around? Those games are fewer and far between. You had the one last night against the you know the Raptors, and then you have this game where it just looks he just looks completely different. I mean, you, you just start going down his box score, and it kind of tells the story of his season if you just go through that, right? Like sixteen point, he, he shot. 70% against the Raptors, 28% against the, the Thunder, 30% against the, the Magic, 35% uh, against – I mean, you just started going, start going down the line. His shooting percentages really tell his impact because he doesn't, he doesn't make a ton of impact anywhere else. Defensively, he's not very good, and guys can take advantage of him unless he's taking a charge. Uh-huh. Uh, offensively, he doesn't really throw the, – you know, the passes aren't always the best. He's averaging, I think, the most assists in his career this year, actually. Uh 
almost the most amount of assists per game in his career. He did hit Josh Green with a really good lob today from an out-of-bounds play. Which, he did. Which was a great pass. But you're just not getting a ton else from, from Tim Hardaway Jr. If he was a guy that could create his shot just a, just a little bit more, right, a drive and a finish, you know, things like that. And I think he's trying to do that. We've seen him in the last couple of games, especially in that Raptors game. In the, the first half, he was so aggressive. He had those 11 points early in the game, and he was just driving to the rim. He's like, no one is going to stop me. I have tunnel vision towards the rim, and I'm just going to go for it. But if he's not doing that, then what else is he doing? It's the same story over and over for Tim. And right now, his shooting's not going down, which is the same for a lot of Mavericks. And uh, his impact has really took a hit because of it. I hope going into the second half that, you know, whatever break that he needs, whatever, you know, he needs to clear as far. You, you mean know, one, two, three Cancun? I, I, I look, <laughs> whatever it is that he needs, you know, I want to see him, you know, discover that. Because there's a reason why he became a fan favorite here. Like I said, the, the the passion that he brings, the intensity that he brings to the game, and he's a good three-point shooter. Yeah. I want to see Tim Hardaway Jr. remind people about why they were willing to bring him back on the contract that he did, uh, especially going into the second half where they're going to need Tim Hardaway Jr. to get to where they believe they, they, sh- they should go as far as the Western Conference you know, playoffs are concerned. Yeah, absolutely. They need him to be there. They, they paid him all that money this offseason. Maybe we – we hit uh, contract year Tim Hardaway Jr., and now we're into first-year contract Tim Hardaway Jr., and it's a little different. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's just his impact. It's so, he's so streaky. He's a streaky shooter. That's what he is. But it seems like the streaks are coming like fewer and far between. I, I'm not sure where that analogy is going, but if we're talking about the streaks on a window, it seems like his streaks are like now here and here <laughs> instead of here and here. Like, you know, a couple It's like not every other game. Yeah. Uh, Mike Lombardi used to work for the Patriots in the front office, and he worked for the Ringer for a while doing podcasts and stuff. He always had this thing where he would say there's 25% players, there's 50% players, there's 100% players, you know, the guys that bring it every single night, the guys that will give you production every single night. And Hardaway has been like, you know, a 33 35% player where he can every third night give you something good. And I think he's, he's this year been a 25% player where it's every – fourth night he's giving you something really good and uh that one day difference i think has been really big for him yeah because he's he's too good of a shooter to have as inconsistent of performances you know that he's had so far in the the first half of the season so hopefully for him in the second half he can rediscover what has made him you know not just a really good shooter but an effective player on the offensive end that can really help out, especially in a game like this where you needed a bucket down the stretch. And there were times where he had open looks and he just simply couldn't knock them down. Anything else stand out to you? Brunson, I, we, we gave him a little bit of slack early because of his his turnovers, and he had one assist and six turnovers in this game. That is bad. He was a, a team low minus 16 in his plus minus, so his minutes, especially in the fourth quarter, were just really bad for them. I think he was a minus 10 in the fourth quarter, but – uh, he was able to get some shots off against, you know, a a a, a, a Jay Crowder and, and uh-huh. wings like that. That's growth in his game, right? You want him to take that step forward. He's just got to take that other step forward of being able to, you know, facilitate and, and throw the right passes and do that stuff against a team like this. But it's hard, man. That's that's like next level stuff. So I thought overall his game was was pretty good. It just wasn't good enough for what the Mavs have asked of him this year. Yeah, I think the other thing that stood out to me, you know, Maxi Kleba was not great in this game at all. Uh, in fact, I think in the second half he finished as a negative 20, you know, in the second half. This was after, you know, he struggled, yeah. you know, from the three-point line in the first quarter. You know, that was something that stood out to me in this game. Again, Phoenix is really good. They come at you in waves. You know, they've got good players, good role players. And I thought at times 
Maxi Kleber struggled on the defensive end, you know, whether it be, you know, some switches that he dealt with or some things as hers of guys driving to the basket. Some of the lateral quickness and movement was not necessarily the best matchup for him tonight. And I think he got, you know, exposed a little bit against, you know, a really good driving team that can take the ball to the basket, but more importantly, can find shooters when they need to. And I think, you know, Cleveland didn't necessarily have the best game tonight either. We talked about how the Suns didn't shoot the three ball well, but the Mavs still aren't shooting the three ball well either, right? Maxi went one of seven in this game. He was one of six in the first quarter, so he only took one more three the rest of the game. And we were were talking earlier, you were like, why is Maxi still still taking these threes if he's 0 of 5 to start? And if he doesn't take those threes, it throws the Mavs' offense off so much, right? Because then all of a sudden they don't have to guard him out there. And then yeah. all of a sudden what else is he doing, right? Like what what else yeah. is he giving the Mavericks offense at that point? Uh, and that's what's hard about some of these guys that give you one thing on offense or give you one thing in that in that area. Um, but, yeah, we, we mentioned Tim. I thought it was interesting that Reggie Bullock didn't get more run in this game. I thought going with Reggie instead of Tim late down the stretch would have been the better play. But he didn't – I mean, he shot one of three from three. Um, Dorian shot one of five from three. He didn't shoot that well either. Um, Luca was two of nine. That that three he hit at the end of the third quarter, at the end of the second quarter. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Was like the only one, and then one more. But, <laughs> but yeah, and they went with kind of a shorter rotation. Yeah, Dwight no Marquise Chris in this game. Yeah, Dwight got some minutes. You mentioned Sterling didn't play. Frank mm-hmm. Lakina went in there for like a spell. Yeah, barely, if that. Um, so yeah, any other thoughts from the, from this game? Anything that, that's sticking with you? I mean, like I said, despite the fact that they had, you know, what was it, you know, 17 or 19 turnovers in this game, I thought for the most part they competed well. This is one of those games where you look at, you know, the best team in the Western Conference. How do you stack up in a tough situation coming off of a back-to-back? And Jason Kidd talked about it you know, after the game. These are the kinds of games that when you get into playoff situations, right. you're going to have to deal with. And I thought for the most part – they acquitted themselves well. Some finer details execution-wise, you know, down the stretch could have been much better. Obviously, knocking down some jumpers would have helped as far as some of the momentum of the game was concerned. But, um, you know, this is it's a long season. In a game like this, I won't beat the Mavericks too much, you know, beat them up too much about a loss like this. No, I think if you're a Mavs fan, you should feel, you know, if, you, if you're listening to this, you're probably a Mavs fan. I can't sure. imagine. I mean, we would hope like so. We would how hope many so. different people are not Mavs fans? But uh, you at home, if you're listening and you're a Mavs fan, you're like, what should I feel about this game? I think you should feel a little encouraged. The yeah. Stuck with them. They should have been They should have been there. They were right there. A couple things go different ways. You know, and, and the fourth quarter, so we, we've talked about this fourth quarter, 35 to 19. The Suns outscored the you know the Mavericks, but they only won the game by eight, right? And some of that was was a little bit of late garbage time buckets, sure. and stuff like that, and free throws and things that uh, they were playing the free throw game late. So it wasn't a dominant beatdown up from the Suns. It was just a really good fourth quarter, and the Mavs have th- some things to work out. So there you go, Kevin Gray. Go follow him on Twitter at Kevin Gray Sports. You can go also to his YouTube channel, Kevin Gray Sports. That's right. Yeah. And then check out 105.3 The Fan. He's doing stuff over there all the time on their channel. And uh, guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Boom.